Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. Our opening song features Reach for the Stars from Cyclone's new album, Showtime, available on all music stores and platforms. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are servants of the new age, the time of prophecy, the time of the ascending sixth sun. We are a platform for alchemists and multidimensional souls. We connect with many planes of reality and assist the awakening journey. We are pure light, transmitters of high vibrational light out into reality. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Call for free at 805-830-8344 and wait in line or you can use Take My Call. And for $11, you can jump a long list of callers. Do so at www.paypal.me slash P-U-R-E-C-O slash 11. And then please PM or email Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com and include the phone number you'll be using to call the show. All of our podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Welcome everybody to CVU 2022 Messages from Metatron Study Group Podcast. We are starting Chapter 3. So welcome everyone and welcome also to our host, Debbie Ninat Minghan. And today, as I, as I said before, we're starting with Chapter 3. So you have been following uh, this podcast and every month, the third Friday of every month, we get together with the author of this wonderful book, Messages from Metatron, to study the book in a podcast form, which is something that has never been before. And it was something inspired to the author so it could reach everyone that is now uh, using computers, smartphones, anything from the comfort of your uh, sorry home. So, as I said, we have been going with chapter one, chapter two, and now we're going to start chapter three. Remember, we have talked about angels and how it has been part of Christianity and how Americans and many people believe in angels. You can re-listen to our past podcasts to find out about percentages that have, that we have in these um, for these people that believe in, in angels. You can always go to cbu1111.net and then look under our network host and click on Debbie Nina Bingham. In there, you can find the other replace for past shows. You can also go in there if you want a free e-copy of her book. You only fill out the form and you'll receive the copy of Debbie Nina's Binghams book. And also, you can go to Facebook, either Debbie Nina Binghams Facebook page or CView and uh, CBU Quantum Network, and in there you'll find the event, which is Messages from Metatron, 
in, in there you'll find links for past shows and also the following ones. You have the full calendar of shows. So let me introduce you a little bit about um, the author of Messages from Metatron, Debbie Nina Beacon. And in short, we call her Nina. She's an author, a life coach, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a sound therapist. And let's bring her to the show so she can tell us about her new book. Yes, you're here as well. She has another book. It is called 10 Archangels Teach You How to Live an Inspired Life. So, Nina, congratulations on your new book. And it is so inspiring and to me to hear that you are able to bring yet another gem about the angels archangels into fruition and also for i know you are also planning on having your own publishing company so other people just like you can have self-published books and access this beautiful um world of having your book published and other people read your books. It is so exciting. Welcome. Thanks, Claudia. <clears throat> Hi to our listeners. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm very excited to be here. It is exciting to have books uh, that have been dictated by archangels. How could that not be exciting? So, um, yeah, you can find out a little bit more about those books on Amazon.com. Just look up my name, Nina Bingham. And the new book, um, like Claudia is saying, is Ten Archangels Teach You How to Live an Inspired Life. One of the wonderful things about the book is not only does it have ten archangels' messages to um, the universe, to the cosmos, but it also um, features three of the biggest archangels, and you probably have heard their names, Archangel uh, St. Michael, Archangel St. Gabriel, and Archangel St. Raphael, uh, among others. So go ahead and look for that on Amazon.com. But today we are exploring the question, very, very interesting question. Um, And I've asked myself this question, and we're going to ask it of ourselves today and really dig in deep about this. Is there a mother goddess? So the question we're looking at today is, is there a heavenly mother? And in order to come to a conclusion about this question, let's start with uh, the answer found in Archangel Metatron's message entitled on this chapter um, in included study guide is entitled, You'll Always Have a Mother. And then we're going to move on to see what the various religions have to say about it. But most importantly for skeptics, what does history say about it? What does science say about it? What does the science of archaeology say about a mother god? And we're going to look at the earliest books of the Bible to see what archaeology says um, about it. So let's start with getting an archangel's perspective. And let me interject this question. Why is it even relevant to know if there's a divine mother? I mean, we have 66 books in the Bible that describe a father God, right? I mean, isn't that good enough? That, that would be, but that would be like saying, because your father is a man, we're going to ignore that you have a mother. Because after all, a father's love is good enough. And Fathers are more important than mothers. So we're just going to ignore it. And in response to this patriarchal type thinking, the Archangel Metatron draws a distinction in the book between the two forms of God, the masculine and the feminine. And he says, speaking in terms that we can understand, he says that Father God is pure intellect So he's creating things, while mother's job is to tend to her children, to her cosmic children, and to teach her cosmic children to get along. But by the state of the world now, I think that mother probably has her work cut out for her, (laughs) because the state of the world is not great right now. We're not getting along. 
And, and then he goes on to say that having a vision of the mother God is given to enlightened beings. And then he says <clears throat> that he calls her the sustainer of the earth and benevolent and that she is the maintainer of life and that without her constant guiding force, quote, there would be no life as you know it. So Metatron goes on to enumerate all then the civilizations through the, throughout history that have venerated, that have recognized the mother goddess. Okay, and that's South America. <clears throat> it's quite a list. South America, the Egyptians, the Aztecs, and then the ancient, the Sumerians, ancient Mesopotamians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Celts, the Germanic people, the Slavic people, the Turkish people, as well as the whole Eastern religions, okay, which included the Gnostic Christians, the Hindus, and the Buddhists. So that's quite a list. So my question is this. If all these civilizations and religions were convinced of a mother goddess, why does modern Christian, modern Christianity, modern churches deny her? And then this is kind of a trick question because I know the historical answer to that. But I'll throw it out to Claudia and our, our callers. Um, why does the West deny that there's a feminine aspect to God? And why would it be important to recognize a mother goddess? So, Claudia, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think um, as a woman, I feel like it is something that I need. I, like, not only I, but everyone, if you're a woman, is like, we need to be, uh, we, we need that, we need to be seen and we need to be recognized in our divinity and those aspects of us, that feminine aspect that we held within us, to be also in a divine persona so we can relate better. Like, like when you have a, um, a concept of only a father God where the father figure only has you know, the strength, the creative, the power, the dominance, and that's the only thing that is veneer, it feels like there's so much left out of it, like like you are not recognized, not worthy, and, and it's something that you cannot relate as easily. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think we're only getting half the equation uh, when when all we ever hear about is Father God. And so I guess my short answer, Claudia, is that if the church denies half of the equation, then, well, I mean, why would they do that? Let's look at why would they do that. They deny, I believe, half of the equation because then they don't have to include the female perspective when making decisions, right? The reasoning goes that if we can dismiss the female perspective, because after all, if God's not female and God made us, meaning men, in his image, but not you, not you, then we're superior to you. And, and you must do as we say, right, if we're superior. And mm-hmm. so we're not going to recognize your perspective. And we're going to blame it all on God. So church folk might say, well, and I've heard this, church folk might say in response to that, well, after all, males were created first. The Bible says that Adam was created first and that uh, Eve came from the rib of Adam, from the side of Adam. That's what it says. And that females basically were an afterthought. Okay. But I want to point out that not every man thinks this way, obviously, and that we like to think that modern man has grown, you know, beyond such demeaning sexism. But have we? I mean, really have we? Because there are plenty of conservative churches who still preach 
that women are second string, that women are second fiddle. And the female is a good model, but not the best model. And therefore, that we ought to be subservient and most importantly, silent. So now let's look at how the Bible developed. And we're going to get into some archaeology here and some science. and ask this question of history. Is there really a mother goddess? So archaeology can help us uncover this truth. Now, here's what I really want the listeners to know. Here's what I really want them to hear. That the very earliest descriptions of God come from ancient Israel, okay, of the Abrahamic religions. We're not talking about the Eastern religions. We're just saying of the Abrahamic religions, the earliest descriptions of God come from ancient Israel, way before the appearance of Jesus, way before the Bible was put together. Images of a mother goddess who was named Asherah were found. They were found to be worshipped by these archaeologists as the wife or consort of God. And these images of the mother goddess were placed on the household shrines, and she, uh, she was worshipped as a nurturing, comforting, but very powerful deity. And this is the earliest religious relics of what would branch off to become Christianity. This is Christianity's ancient untold roots, which is kind of shocking to where we've gotten today with the female completely edited out of the Bible. So let's look at what happened to goddess Asherah. Where did she go? In earlier translations of the Bible, Asherah's name appears more than 40 times. 40 times. But when the King James Version of the Bible was written in the 17th century, Wherever the mother goddess was referenced, a paternalistic translation was given that removed her completely from the Bible. Now, I'm not making this up. Archaeology is very clear on this. So as the generations then progressed and passed, the Israelites had no knowledge of her, so they stopped worshiping her or even acknowledging her existence. So basically, archaeology tells us that the feminine divine was written out of the Bible by a king in the 17th century. Now, I want to look and skip to the modern Bible and see, does the modern Bible give us any indication that there is a mother goddess. So in Genesis 126, Elohim, which is the name for Father God, says this, quote, let us, plural, let us, make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over all the earth. Now to me, This description of the deities is the most persuasive evidence of all because the words are and us and them are all plural, aren't they? More than one. So if that scripture had been given by God only, God would have said something different. He would have said, let me make man in my image. But that's not what God said. And most convincing of all is that you cannot create a new species unless there is a male sperm and a female egg, right? (laughs) And we're talking about creating a new species here. And we all took sex education 101 in school, and we all know that if we were paying attention, that there is a male and a female of everything. And accordingly, according to the earliest Bible, God had a feminine counterpart. So now Christianity explains this away by saying 
Well, in this passage, in Genesis, God is speaking to his son, not to a mother goddess, but to his son, Jesus. And he's speaking to the Holy Spirit, which is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what I was taught. Okay. But this is a description of God creating human beings. And to create a human being, you've got to have a father and a mother, right, a sperm and an egg. And when you ask Christian theologians to explain why Asherah was written out of the Bible in the 17th century, they admit, if they, knew, if they know archaeology, they admit it's true. They say, yes, that's true. But then they say it had to be written out because it was idol worship. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want idol worship in the Bible. But my question is this. Yes, the archaeologists found the images of a mother goddess. Okay? You can call those idols if you want. But these idols were depicting an ancient belief in a mother goddess. So why was that belief edited out of Christianity altogether? That's my question. Okay. So I'm going to take a breath here. And um, Claudia, ask for your input after hearing what archaeology and history has to say about it. What are your thoughts on this? Well, um, when I was studying this topic again, uh, also, I knew that when the Bible was written and it was decided what would be in and what would be out, the people that were able to decide and were part of that group of deciders were only males. And just like you said, (laughs) it was convenient to put it out because back then, it, it, the rulers of the world in that moment, the main rulers were only male. And allowing the females or the counterpart of the equation to be equals would mean, okay, I'm going to hear what the, the other person is going to say before I can rule. And I don't want that. If I'm the ruler, dominant, patriarchic, I want to be heard, and I don't want to listen. So I think it was a convenient part on that moment because it, it was only males. They were like, okay, yeah, let's put it out. It's not worthy or it's not convenient for us to acknowledge that there is a, a mother deity, and let's mm-hmm. transfer that to everyone that will follow us so it's going to be easier because only men have the same. Yeah, there's a little bit of bias there, isn't there? I know. Nina, we ahead, have Catherine here as well. Let's see what Catherine has to say about this. Yes, yes, please. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. Hello. Hi, welcome, Catherine. Welcome to the show. Hi, yes. This, this is beautiful. Thank you so much for having this discussion today. I think it's so empowering and enlightening. Thank you so much. Well, what's your question or, or what's your uh, input on this? Um, I don't know. I was thinking the whole time when you were speaking, I don't know, is the Catholic Church, um, because they call um, Mother Mary Queen of Heaven. So is mm-hmm. that like, um, you know, as close as as we can get? Um, <laughs> you know? Um. <laughs> I think that's a great question, yes. I've asked that very question, Catherine, myself. Um, I'm not a Catholic. I'm actually Hindu. But uh, I was raised in a, in a conservative Christian home, and so I was aware of, of Mother Mary. Um, and, you know, the Catholic Church has sainted her, obviously, and, and of all female saints, she's the highest on the, the tree mm-hmm. of saints um, as the Savior's mother um, and, and having an immaculate conception. Um, I think for the Catholic Church, for the Christian Church, um, the Western Church, that's as far as we go in terms of a feminine goddess. You know, that's as close as we can get, like you said. Um, the Catholic Church does recognize um, female saints who have done miracles. So, 
So um, that's as close, I think, though, as they come to recognizing a goddess. And I believe it's not because they don't want to necessarily recognize a goddess at this point in modern history, but I think that because it was edited out in the 17th century, um, they're sticking to that version. You know, they're sticking Mm -hmm. to that ancient version. And so, yeah, I think that's as far as it gets. Thank you. Thank you. And now, once I got Catherine, you're part of the conversation, so we'll continue. And let's see what Pat has to say about this. Nina, welcome, Pat, to the conversation. Hi. I'm sorry. I just literally tuned in, so I don't have anything to say. I I haven't heard anything of the program yet. Apologies. No problem. Oh, that's okay. Welcome. Welcome, Pat. So here, I'm going to Thank you. speed real quick, okay? Thank so you. So what we're talking about today, sure, what we're talking about today is the mother goddess. Is there a mother god, right? Have you ever asked yourself that? Man, I have asked myself that. And what we're saying is that the mother goddess from the 17th century was edited out of the Bible. And that's not just, you know, what I think. That's not an opinion. That's fact. Um, in the 17th century, when they put the Bible together, the patriarchs edited out um, the mother goddess whose name in ancient Israel was Asherah. So what's happened since then, uh, since the 17th century, it's gotten very hazardous to your health to question the patriarch's interpretations of the Bible because for centuries the church condemned people to eternal damnation who disagreed with them, didn't they? And even those people who were condemned as heretics were burned at stake. So it it became very hazardous to your health to question what we were being told. Um, We've been told to question the religious traditions is rebellion against God. But my faith as a modern woman and, and as a, as a researcher and in some, in some areas, a scholar, my faith is less in tradition and more in archaeology. Okay, when it comes to ancient history. Archaeology is a science that's helped us sort fact from fiction. So because archaeology has convincing evidence that many cultures, including the Israelites, worshipped a mother god, you have to ask yourself, you know, why has religion punished those who question the teachings of the church? So that's kind of the question that we're that we're exploring today. Well, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, probably the truth is so profound and we don't even have, you know, a minute grasp of the truth. I was just listening to something um, the other day, um, a story about Adam and Eve and, um, he was just telling the story where he was talking about women's rage and he said, women's rage is about um, when Adam, when God came to the garden and asked, you know, the energy's different here. What have you done? And Adam pointed to Eve and said, she, she made me do it. It's not a joke. I mean, he's seriously saying this is, this is what women's rage comes from. And even, you know, difficult menopause is attached to that. And uh, it it was just interesting. Another interesting bit of information to kind of open our eyes, whether it's true or not, but to open our eyes to conventional religion is really, um, it's, it's not such a great thing. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty amazing what answers um, you know uh, pastors and priests and the clergy come up with to justify, isn't it? It's really justifying, um, yeah. editing out the feminine perspective from the Bible. Uh, right. You know, Metatron in in his book Messages from Metatron, which is what we're studying today, he gives a very moving comparison, okay, or analogy. And and Metatron's answer is to say that um, we're kind of like children who were adopted by well-meaning parents, and and he means the church, you know, by well-meaning parents, 
but these parents were afraid to tell us about our real mother. And so the existence of our real mother was kept from us, maybe out of fear that we wouldn't worship the way they wanted us to worship. Um, And so Metatron says that we all have this longing to find the truth inside of us. And so he encourages us to cry out for our divine mother and not to fear calling on her and not to let our male, our, our well-meaning parents keep us apart from the mother who loves us. And I feel that that was just a very poignant way to describe what's happened in the church. I also, I also heard um, another psychic talk about, I mean, he always refers to, always says mother, father, God, always includes mother, God. And I can't remember what he was saying about God, but he said, if you want a miracle, pray to Mother God. Hmm. And that, that was something that I always wanted to remember. Um, not demeaning God at all, Father God, but that was just a different purpose. And I can't remember what it was, but the, if you really want a miracle. Yeah, so I've tried to incorporate that in my life more so and even the sense of Mother Mary, but he said, no, no, you don't pray to Mother Mary, you pray to Mother God mm-hmm. for the miracle. So thank you for letting me speak and for sharing. Well, we're here to find the truth. That's why we're all here. So we're digging for it today. <laughs> I, I want yeah. to leave you one more thing that I think was is, is in, blew my mind when I heard this. Because I was raised, as I mentioned, in a conservative Christian church. And so we said what's called the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you guys are familiar with that. If you're Catholic, you certainly are. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name. That's the Lord's Prayer. Okay. And uh, so I'd like to read you guys a familiar prayer that said the Lord's Prayer in every Christian church, regardless of denomination. And you probably know it or have heard it. And I'm going to read the Aramaic translation of the Lord's Prayer. Now, Aramaic was the language that Jesus was speaking when he spoke this prayer to his disciples and said, this is how you guys need to pray. Okay, when you're praying to God, I want you to pray like this, is what he said. So when I heard the original translation, um, so, so it's from the Greek, Okay, it's well. It goes from Aramaic to Greek to English, just the way it went. But if you if you press past the Greek back to the original Aramaic, I want you to hear this translation. It blew me away. Instead of "Our Father who art in heaven," it actually says this. Hold on your hats, ladies. O cosmic birther, O cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration. Cosmic birther. Now, that does not sound like Father God to me. Soften the ground of our being and create or carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear fruit in our mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desires. Endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release each other from the entanglement of past mistakes. Isn't that beautiful? Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of the present moment. For you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth, power, and fulfillment as all is gathered and made whole once again. Amen. Now that is the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray. Now does that sound, that's from Aramaic, does that sound like what you've heard in church? Not at all. And, you know, I don't know the rest of you, but I am with chills. And, and in my, when I 
in my uh, belief, when I get chills, I know I'm hearing something that is true. And I want to welcome also Donna to the conversation. She's here with us. And I mean, that, that blows me away. It's like, how many times have we not repeat words that have been said to us and we have believed them as truth and then they become empty. I don't know if you have had that um, uh, feeling before that something that you believe, then after a while it becomes empty and you don't know how to um, have any understanding of that anymore. Yes, we, we lose the meaning of something if it's just repeated rotely, which is what happens in church, unfortunately. But don't you think, ladies, if or, or the men who are listening, don't you think if in church, if we had been brought up to be praying as Jesus asked us to pray to God by beginning the prayer by saying, oh, cosmic birther, don't you think that we would have a, a little easier time believing that there is a feminine aspect to God. I mean, here's a question I have for the ladies. Here's a a question I have for you ladies. What, What were each of you taught about Mother God? Were each of you, if you went to church or not, what did you know about Mother God? Or did you know about Mother God? Okay, so let me ask the question again. What I want to know is, do you guys wish you had known about Mother God? And if so, why? Because I know I wasn't taught that there was a feminine aspect to God. Yeah, no, and and this is Claudia. So when you're ready to answer, please just say your name and answer. You are all in the conversation. So in my case, um, Mina, I was brought Mm -hmm. up in in Mexico. So I was brought up in Catholicism, but in the Mexican way, which is, I Mm -hmm. thought we had all the same Catholicism, but apparently we didn't. When the Catholics came to our part of the world, Mexico in this case, in order for the people in Mexico to turn into Catholicism, they needed a feminine aspect of it. So we have version the Guadalupe, which is a representation of the feminine mother, which is big in our part of the world. So mm-hmm. I always had that feminine deity in the Virgin Mary, in the Virgin of Guadalupe, which is also believed to be the same Virgin Mary. But you see, it was something that I always was brought up with. So I always had that mother that I would pray. Like, I remember when I was smaller, whenever it was like I need something done, I would call God. But if I needed support and the love or something more tender, I, I would always go to the to, to Virgin Mary and the Guadalupe because it was tender. It was the mother. So, but I see what what you mean. Yes, I think it's beautiful the way um, uh, your culture uh, includes the feminine aspect of God because it, it makes it um, a lot easier. <laughs> to come and present our problems and our fears to um, a deity that's a mother for, for most of us, for most of us. Um, you know, Metatron challenges us to ask for a sign from Mother God in this chapter. It's interesting because I actually have a story to share about this, a personal story. There is a time in my life when I was wondering if there was a Mother God. And I'd read, because I'd read um, Sylvia Brown, who was a psychic, she's passed now, but I'd read psychic Sylvia Brown's trilogy of books called Journey of the Soul, 
which I heartily recommend. Um, I've read all of her books, but these three really impressed me. And one of those books, I can't remember uh, which one, she, Sylvia encourages the reader to ask for a sign to prove to you that the mother God is real. And Sylvia suggested that you should ask Mother God for the sign of a flower, that the sign would have something to do with flowers or a flower. And I thought, I thought, well, what the heck? You know, I, I don't get flowers very often, so if that happens, it's going to be a real miracle. <laughs> so I prayed, and I just asked for a sign, you know. And, and like Sylvia said, I said, I, I want it to come in the form of a, a flower. The, a flower will be attached to it somehow so that all know it's you. And it was about a week later that I was at my friend's aunt's bedside in the hospital. So I was tagging along with one of my friends to pay her aunt a visit. And her, her auntie had all these flowers around her hospital bed. And I remembered what I prayed about the sign having to do with flowers. But, but as I was standing there, I thought, well, that's not a sign because these flowers aren't for me. You know, they're for her. And so I just dropped it. <clears throat> and at the end of the visit, you know, we're hugging her goodbye, and she grabbed me by the arm, and I hardly knew her, and so it surprised me. She grabbed me by the arm, and she said, before you go, you're such a lovely person. I want you to have these flowers. And she picked up a potted flower that was white, which is interesting because that white often represents purity. And I was kind of startled by that, and she said, she said, these are for you. And she was very insistent. She wouldn't let me leave without taking it. And so driving home, <clears throat> I was kind of stunned into silence because what I'd asked for actually happened. And after that, I've never doubted that there was a mother. I never have. Wow. And what about any of the others, Catherine, Pat, Donna, have you ever had a sign of the mother? Hi, this is Donna. Um, I I just recently joined, so I'm not entirely sure what the process is, but I don't know. I just feel like my belief is that whatever God means to you, um, this energy source can encompass anything. Um, it's everything and anything because to me, God is omniscient and omnipotent, and I think it's a blend of divine feminine energy and masculine and um, I don't know, that's just my belief. And then the funny thing is the ir- ironies. Like I pray a lot, but I feel like I'm going through this patch recently where I just feel very low and I don't feel like I'm on solid footing and despite my prayers. and it's, it's So it's a little, it's been a little difficult. And I'd appreciate whoever's out there to just send some energy my way. So, um, mm-hmm. But... Um, and, and I think, Catherine, you know, I want to encourage you about one thing, and that I think that I want to normalize something for you, okay? And and that is, I think, most of us, I mean, I've studied religion for, gosh, the first comparative religion course I took in college, I was 20-something, and I'm almost 60 now. So I've been studying religion for quite a while. And during that time, during the whole time, those 40 years, I have come in and out of questioning whether there is, truly is uh, a deity that, that knows what I'm going through and, and cares about humanity. I mean, you know, if you just see the cruelty of the world um, right. and the bad things that happen to good people, um, it, it makes you question. And so I just want to normalize that for you and just say I think that's, that's a very normal thing that, that you're questioning, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that questioning. Because questioning leads us to answers, doesn't it? If yeah. we never question what we're thought, we don't get any new information. So go ahead and question. And don't feel bad about questioning. And know that the answers, the right answers will come. It may take a while, but you'll get them. And I'm not necessarily questioning. It's more like I feel like we do go through whatever we need to for our growth. And a lot of it has been predestined or planned before, you know, prior to birth. 
So it's just more. It's just more that I feel like my, sometimes my prayers are unanswered. But yet I know it's because of a reason. There are many things that I've been wanting. It's I feel like I'm praying for the same things all the time. It's the same set of prayers, and I feel like mm-hmm. okay, one day maybe I'll get what I want. So it's just hard to keep keep the patience, not necessarily the faith. Mm-hmm. I do know. I do know. And um, what pops in my mind when you're talking is this, and you probably heard this, and, and it's cold comfort. <laughs> and that is um, we don't always get what we want, but we always get what we need. Right. And and, and I hate that. <laughs> I really hate that. <laughs> however, yeah. however, having said that, what I also recognize about life at my age is looking back on my life, I am super glad that I didn't always get what I prayed for, okay? Because if I had gotten what I prayed for, it would have been the wrong thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just the funny thing is it's like just what I'm praying for isn't bad. It's, it's like all good things, you know, mm-hmm. praying for mm-hmm. uh, the health and well-being of my family and to find a purpose and to mm-hmm. give me a sense of excitement. And and so they're all good things, and I do want them. So right. I don't think, you know, so, so that's that makes it more frustrating. <laughs> like, you, know, man, you know, what else pops yeah. to mind as I'm listening to you is, is one thing that Metatron does say in this, um, he has a whole chapter on soulmates in this book, and, and I love that chapter. And what he says about soulmates is that, and this is what popped to mind when you were talking about it, I think we have to remember that around us, in our environment, is this big spider web that involves all of these soulmates that we have. And, you know, I can pray for world peace, right, and have a totally pure heart and put that energy out there for world peace, not war, peace. Right. And yet, I have to wait for the rest of the world to catch up to that, don't I? Because mm-hmm. these are all my soulmates. We're all connected. Like even on a quantum physics level, okay? Quantum right. physicists have found out we actually are. Our atoms are connected one to another so that we make up this big grid, if you will, of humanity. And, and, and if one, you know, across the world, if one person does something to hurt another, it reverberates along, that vibration comes across the entire web and affects everybody. And so everything we do, negative or positive, affects the universe, the energy we put into it. That's what Metatron says, and he says basically that's why a lot of times our prayers aren't answered immediately because we're waiting for the rest of the people to catch up. Mm-hmm. Our hearts are good. Our intentions are good. But not everybody's heart is our intentions are good. And so as a unit, we see ourselves as individuals, don't we? But that's not how Metatron sees us. He sees us completely. He sees us as a unit, kind of like an army, as a unit. Okay? And, and so we can go ahead and wish good things for the world, but we have to wait for all of the people in our web okay, come on. to come to that realization. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that's when it gets. Uh, that's when we have to, you know, try our patience, right? Is uh, our patience gets tried, and sometimes we just want to throw in the towel because it just seems like you know too long to wait. Like nobody's getting it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's getting it. Nina, I have a question for you. In the other books and in your other channels where you have had also channels from other archangels, what do they have to say about Mother God? Uh, Metatron, the Archangel Metatron talks most about her. Um, and the third chapter of Messages from Metatron, or the, excuse me, the fourth chapter, we're on the third chapter today. The fourth chapter um, he actually included in the book is is Mother God um, addressing humanity in chapter 
four, the next, yeah, chapter four. So, and what she says in her message, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it into a nutshell for us. What she says is this. She says this. She says, learn, she says three, three words to us. Learn to love. That's what she says. She's all about love. Okay? And she says that in that, in that um, channeling. She says, I'm all about, I'm the mother, I'm called the mother in love of love in heaven. She says, learn how to love and you'll learn about me. And that's all you need to do. Just start learning about love. Now, it sounds super easy, but like we were talking about, not everybody's on that same page. So Metatron talks a lot about uh, the Blessed Mother Universal in this book. In subsequent books, like the next book I channeled, um, which is out on Amazon, 10 Archangels Teach You How to Live an Inspired Life, there's 10 different archangels giving 10 different messages, and then 10 archangel um, meditations that you can do with them to call them and to call on the right archangel to help you through life's crises. Um, but those 10 archangels don't talk a whole lot about her. Um, in fact, I, I don't think they talk about her very much at all. Um, so uh, Metatron is really the only one that addresses Mother God. And I think the reason he addresses Mother God um, and gives it quite a bit of space right up front in the beginning of his book it's because he's laying a foundation for, you know, the study, study guide to come. And, and, and this, this book, Messages for Metatron, is very universal in scope, is very cosmic in scope. He's not just talking about planet Earth. He's talking about the universe. He's talking about the cosmos because that's his perspective as the greatest archangel of heaven. So um, he's saying Mother God has a place in our history, but we've lost that she's lost her place. And here's the question I have for you guys. Because we've written her and edited her out of the Bible, edited her out of our lives, what has that done to our society? What impact has it had? Edit out the feminine qualities, the feminine characteristics. What impact has that had on our society and what are we seeing today because of it? Anybody have thoughts about that? Boy, you guys are quiet. Probably one of the impacts that I see back in history is that suppression of women that after for many, many, many years happened where uh, we did not have the, any rights to vote. We did not have any rights to anything. And uh, we couldn't work. We, could, we didn't have salaries that were uh, similar to men. Still, we are dealing with some aspects of that. I know things are, have changed a lot. But it's pretty much like it was suppressed and denied. And then, I, to me, it seems also like, all of that wave of repressed energy is coming back, and and I see it racing back again and and dominating everyone, like women and men. We are all bringing that aspect back together. Mm-hmm. Right, Kaya, and um, I think if you look at history. Uh, what we see is every time there was repression of uh, females in our history, uh, well, first we couldn't vote, right? And then, and, and then finally we got, we got the right to vote. And, and, and now we're starting, again, we're starting to roll back those feminine rights. That's what's happening. And, um, and when that happens, then we have less opportunity professionally. We have less opportunity educationally. And so all of society suffers when that happens. It's not just the women who suffer. When you take someone's education away or when you take their rights away, um, you take their, especially their health rights, their rights to their health away, 
<laughs> or their education away or their right to make more money for their families, you're impacting everybody in the society, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not just making it hard on, on the females. You're making it hard on the female families too. And I, and I think that's what's lost here on, on people is that if we're going to vote away rights for women, then it's going to impact the families. You better believe it is because the female is the head of the home at, at home. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, and I know the church would argue with me on that, but I'll tell you what, uh, the domestic sphere is where the female reigns and it's her home. Okay. Dad doesn't come into the kitchen and tell mom how to do her job. Mom knows how to do her job in the kitchen. And mom knows how to do her job with the laundry and with the children. And then she's got an outside job that she knows what to do with. So that sphere, I'm just saying the domestic sphere has traditionally been, um, you know, women's work. But But that domestic sphere includes children and it includes the husband, doesn't it? And so you're going to impact by, by rolling back rights on her, you're going to impact the husband and you're going to impact the children and then the larger society. So it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> what do no, you guys I think? I don't think they realize how much of an impact it would make to the whole. If they had known, I think they wouldn't have done it. Yeah, and I think the other thing Metatron says in this book is he points out that female and male energies are very different, okay? And and we could say, well, male energies are um, are more powerful, are stronger. Physically, they're stronger. Um, uh, maybe emotionally, okay, they're, they're more logical and they're less emotional. Um, they're more action-oriented and have less words than women do. And I've studied psychology, so I can tell you these are all facts that come from studying the brain. So, um, and then women are um, kind of natural nurturers, natural caretakers, because they're the ones that are having, bearing the children and, and nursing the children and raising the children. So, to, so Metatron says you need both parts. You need the black and the white in order to have a balanced society. And when society becomes unbalanced, when that female aspect is not respected anymore and is torn down and rights taken away and impinged upon and just not, no, not as much respect, okay, as, as the, the male aspect, then society becomes out of balance. And what happens then? Well, then you get more violence, right? There's more violence because there's more force and more power, and these powers are coming against each other. Uh, you get less talk and more guns. <laughs> um, so, and that's what we're seeing, aren't we? I mean, the violence in the United States is off the charts. We have, we have the, the most people incarcerated in the United States, has the most people incarcerated of any country in the world. And only 10% of people who are incarcerated are women. Ninety percent are men. Why is that? Why is that? It's because violence has gotten out of control. And why is that? I believe Metatron says, and I believe what he says, that it's because we in this society we've gotten out of balance. That that we are not respecting the characteristics of the feminine. And I believe we're seeing that. We're seeing that not just in the United States, but we're seeing it all over the world. Any thoughts um, on that? Yeah. So there's so much to say about that. And Nina, so what can we do? Well, um, I think what, the first thing we can do that's very practical is that we can educate ourselves. Um, I think that's extremely important because unless you educate yourselves on what's going on in your society, how can you change it? If you don't know about it, you can't change it, right? So we have to keep abreast of the news and, and we have to keep educating ourselves rather by reading books or taking classes 
are participating in studies like this where we get to hear alternative viewpoints and make our viewpoints known, um, we have to educate ourselves. Okay, that's the first thing. I think the second thing um, is we have to vote. We have to vote. We do still have a democracy. That democracy is very precious. And countless lives have been given to preserve our democracy. So, so we have the right to vote. I mean, women lost their lives um, in the 19th century so that we could have the right to vote. I mean, they went to us. They went to prison. They were tortured for this in the United States, in, in the prison system, so that we could have the right to vote. So let's keep voting, okay? Um, I know it's inconvenient, but do it anyway, because that's your civil duty, okay? Um, and I think third, I think, you know, get, in, get into a, get in some kind of organization or study um, where you can contribute. You know, whatever you have to contribute. Um, I, I think it's awfully important that your voice is heard, okay, because we're all members of this great democracy. And so it's important that everybody's voice is heard, not only by voting, but also within the society. Get involved, you know, whatever you're called to do. Get involved and use your gifts and use your talents and use your abilities, And I think also, um, Nina, that let's bring the mother God back. And there's a beautiful prayer that Methodon channeled through you. Do you mind reading that Mm -hmm. as we finish today's um, discussion? Sure, yes. It is a beautiful beautiful prayer. So just like we learned today the the real meaning of the prayer of um, the Lord's Prayer, so this is a different kind of prayer, and it's a prayer to the Blessed Mother Universal is the name of it. And this is what he, his huge channel uh, for the mother. Blessed be the mother who has always lived, always knowing my soul. Blessed be her name for eternity. She remains the heaven's most precious and brightest star. I bend my knee in reverence to Mother Divine, who loves me perfectly and without flaw. She is the glittering secret, the one who animates and liberates. Her heart contains all the stars and worlds, and on her head is a crown of jewels. All the people of the world, her children, will glitter and glow everlasting when Mother smiles upon them. I receive your reality, O Mother of Lights. I receive your favor, O living song of the heavens. I am the grateful recipient of thine beatific vision. O thou blameless and holy, whose name is a wonder and a mystery. Magical mother of compassion, call me to your side. Never let me forget you, for you are the perfection of all people. For all times and in all places, your name is remembered and revered among the seven heavens. Open the eyes of my heart, Mother Divine, and I shall see reality. Amen. Amen. And if you want mm-hmm. to listen to more uh, or find out more about Nina, please visit her blog, ninabihan.blogspot.com. And Nina, we, will, we are continuing with the podcast, with this study group podcast next month, and we are doing chapter four, where we're going to be finding what Mother God wants us to know, correct? Yes, that's right. And well, as we close our broadcast, I just want to thank my co-host, Claudia. She does such a beautiful job every every month. and. Everyone who tuned in today and participated, and uh, may you be blessed with a vision of Mother Divine. 
And if you'd like to know more about my books and hear other broadcasts, visit my blog at www.ninabingham.blogspot.com. And join us next month as we study love and forgiveness on Friday, April 15th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time here on CBU. Um, if you, you can find messages from Metatron on Amazon.com. Just search my name, Nina Bingham. And I've got a new angel book out, 10 Archangels Teach You How to Live an Inspired Life, which includes messages from Archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And each message includes an Archangel Meditation. And you can find those on Amazon.com. Okay, thanks everybody. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.